Welcome to another episode of our Audacious Learning Ways podcast series with Roy and Ian. My name is Ian Tate. We're going to be with you throughout the series, and for those of you who don't know him, Roy is a Delta resident, volunteer board member of the North Delta Business Association, and former president, chief marketing officer, and entrepreneur with over 40 years of successful and unmatched executive leadership experience in every aspect of business. His latest book in the Be Different or Be Dead series is titled The Audacious Unheard of Ways I Took a Startup to a Billion in Sales, and we've decided to use it as the guide and cornerstone of our association. In fact, if member, when members join, uh, uh, yourself and every member of your leadership team will receive a complimentary copy of Roy's book. Today's How to Be Different tip is focus on your front line. Dedicate copious amounts of your personal time to help frontline people, not follow your boss. Breathtaking performance is achieved when the frontline executes your strategy with flawless precision. Find out what's getting in the way and help them. And look at more of what's working and less of what's not. Good morning, Roy. Good morning, Ian. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks. Sounds like we're going to be uh, delivering a lot of content in this podcast. So I hope everybody has their uh, pen and paper handy. Uh, first off, Roy, what exactly do you mean by frontline? Yeah, so make really, really simple. Generally, I'm referring to the customer contact functions in an organization. So any any function that's that's what people normally would call customer facing they typically are human-based functions, even though we could have a conversation about how technology um, plays into that. But I'm starting out with a simple definition that if you're frontline, A, you're a human being, and B, you engage with, with customers on an ongoing basis. And as a result, you're responsible, um, which is kind of a definition that people rarely talk about, If you're a frontline person, you are responsible for managing the customer company touch points. Okay, so a lot of people refer to those as moments of truth. And they Mm -hmm. they are. When a customer comes in contact with a company, it's a moment of truth, which is either going to go really well or is going to go really bad. and, And customer loyalty, of course, is destroyed. So. You know, the kind of, of functions I'm talking about that people will relate to uh, would be uh, sales reps, service reps, collection reps, receptionists, service repair technicians, baristas, retail clerks, and delivery people. Anybody that you have that touches your customer uh, is, in my definition, a frontline person and hence becomes uh, a topic, a person of interest for this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So um, business owners have to cast their mind about uh, uh, how many different uh, frontline staff, customer facing staff that they have and uh, take an inventory to start off with. Um, And why is it so important? Why is the frontline so important to an organization, Roy? Well, basically, um, the frontline plays um, a huge role in strategy execution in terms of the customer engage, engagement process. We've spoken a lot about the, 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 the importance of executing a strategic game plan, that nothing happens in terms of your, your business's strategy unless you execute right. well. The performance 
doesn't come from the intellect. It comes from action and the way people feel and what they what they do as a result of, of those feelings. And so frontline are absolutely critical to the execution of the business and they control your brand. They control the brand of the organization. When you're talking to a service rep, they start to form an image of what your organization is all about based on the quality of that engagement process. If the, if the frontline person is rude, then they immediately conclude that your organization is uncaring. They don't really care about you. All they want to do is push their products and services at you. On the other hand, if the customer, if the customer service rep is, is polite and helpful, then they walk away thinking, hey, that organization cares about its people. So they're, and they control that. They own that. You know, they actually um, cause the customer to make a long-term decision in, to buy in your organization based on what the front line does in that customer engagement process. So it's hugely important. Mm-hmm. And of course, they deliver results. Right. They deliver yep. results. They're the ones that that ends up end up transacting with the customer, which eventually leads to uh, to some sort of financial impact. They control customer loyalty. I mean, they their behavior uh, determines whether customers decide to stay uh, and how and, and, and refer their friends to you. OK, they create experiences that are dazzling or experiences that are horrific. I mean, that's how much power they've got. They can make you or break you. They produce first impressions, really important. You're a new customer going into an organization. The first person you bump into is a frontline person. So first impressions about you as an organization are controlled by your frontline. They mask imperfections in your business processes. Now, this is rarely talked about. Nobody has perfect delivery systems. There's always glitches. Who owns recovery from those glitches? The frontline person. In fact, the really good ones can make it seamless to the customer. They got they got all these errors and difficulties and say no stuff going on behind them. And yet they are able to dazzle the customer. Okay, in terms of the way the engagement process works. So you can imagine, I mean, they translate ineffectiveness into effectiveness by the way they are able to manage through the imprecision and and the the lack of of efficiency of some of the business processes that you have they build long-term relationships they are custodians of competitive information i mean they deal with customers every day they listen to what what people are saying and a lot of times they say you know i decided to come to you because i tried somebody else and they were horrible at their customer service okay that's an important piece of competitive information that we need to know as mm-hmm. leaders of the organization. So they own that. The real question is, how do you tap that? How do you tap that? And, and we'll talk about this a bit later. Frontline people tend to be really unused from that aspect of it. And that's an area of improvement. And here's an interesting one. Finally, frontline people are the portal to what people crave and what secrets they have. They have insights on what customers desire just based on the conversation that they have, Ian. The real key is, and so I look at them, and it's my name is kind of the frontline portal to cravings. Right. They, sh- they are the window 
on desires. If, if only they have the information, if only we could ask them and if only we could create a repository for the information that they have. I mean, talk about strategic information. And so they're important because they control experiences. They drive results. They control the brand. They make better the imperfections in your business. They house competitive information and they know about what people crave. Every strategic game plan that I've ever been involved with uses those things as strategic imperatives. And yet, frontline people tend to not to be viewed as important as they are. You know, that's a huge responsibility for a frontline person. And I don't think a lot of businesses pay attention to that fact. Um, and we'll we'll get into that, uh, if not in later in this podcast, but in others as well. But you know, you think, uh, you know, it's so much more than product knowledge, right? It's it's that customer portal. And uh, it's it's quite it's quite a responsibility. And uh, they have to be taken seriously and have to be uh, trained and encouraged to do the best job they can. Um, so what are the typical challenges that frontline people have? So. Yeah, and I, this, this this question actually takes me back, takes me back to when I was president of of the, the data and internet company, internet company, and moving it from a monopoly business into a competitive business. And one of the challenges that we had is, and I recognize even then how important these people were to execution of our strategic game plan. And one of the problems that I ran into is that the organization within which we operated viewed them as junior positions. Okay, in other words, the culture didn't value them in the way that I did, didn't value them as, as, as being at the top of the pyramid as opposed to the bottom of the organization pyramid, viewed them as entry-level positions, the service rep is an entry-level position, the receptionist is an entry-level position, okay? And that's, that's a major challenge. So when you're a frontline person and you're viewed as junior, that doesn't give you much currency in the organization. It doesn't give you doesn't give you a good feeling about the value that you you provide. And yet, the value cannot be understated. It's mm -hmm. it's huge. It's enormous. And so, the view of people as being junior is a huge challenge. Another challenge is is I call it wrong fit. The challenge for the front line people is is to get human being lovers into those positions because the only way you can create a dazzling experience is you got to basically have i love people running through your your veins you, yep. you can't not like to deal with people and be successful and i know as a frontline person and i know there's a lot of frontline people and you and i run into them from time yep. to time in yep. businesses there's a lot of people that shouldn't be a front line in the frontline business because they lack the ability and desire to take care of other people. They should be writing HTML code. They should be taking inventory, other valuable positions, right. but they shouldn't be sitting in front uh, of your of your your customer, trying to to turn the, the engagement process into one of of absolute delight. The other thing is, um, they, uh, uh, I mean, this we've talked about this as well. Um, a huge challenge is to be able to manage customer engagement in the face of dumb rules. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> how, how can you say yes in an internal world that's saying no? 
I mean, that's a huge, I mean, I would say 80% of the feedback I got from frontline people when I used to conduct what I call bear pit sessions, which if you're interested, right. you, you could find those on my blog, was that, Roy, you want me to take care of people, but you're, you're asking me to enforce rules that don't make any sense to the customer. You need to, you need to fix that. And of course, that led to a cleanse the internal environment and say yes culture. But, but a major, right. major challenge they face. The other thing, they face a lack of support from leadership. Leadership pays a lot of attention to other employees. They don't pay a whole lot of attention to a frontline service rep, to a call center rep, right? Hmm. Sitting in some foreign place in the world who's, who's charged, right, with creating a memorable experience for you halfway across the globe. And you, oh. really, need, you really need leadership to get involved in this. Um, and this is straight out of the mouths of frontline people that I, I meet all the time. No one listens to them. Their view is, well, we know what the answers to the problem are, Roy, particularly servers in any business. Nobody will ask us for our suggestions. And if we give our suggestions, nobody listens. So the whole challenge here is that they've got ideas about how to improve operations, but nobody asks them. So they need to be asked, right? They have to enforce a no culture through dumb rules and grunge and, and crap that goes on as opposed to enabling uh, engagement, they lack empowerment. You, you, you don't find, because they're perceived as junior level people, right. they lack empowerment. They lack our, um, our permission to allow them to do what's right for the customer, right? Without giving away the farm. There's a lot of people, a lot of leaders that don't like the notion of, of empowerment because they think it's synonymous with people giving away the farm. And yet we know that frontline people, when given permission to make calls, they are relentless in terms of their support of company goals and objectives. The problem is we don't trust them. We don't empower them. You can't have memorable experiences if you don't have empowered frontline people. And the reason for that is literally every experience requires something different of the frontline person. This is not a prescriptive environment. Uh, people can't, you can't write algorithms to predict customer behavior, even though the AI experts will say you can. By the way, I hate chatbots. Another story. Yeah, don't, can't, don't go there. Don't go there, Roy. It all goes back to empowerment, right? Lack of trust is another challenge, which, which is, is really bred from the fact that it's, they're perceived as kind of lower level people in the organization. And they are... <laughs> And they're perceived as less important. And they, they get this. They will tell you this. They're, 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 they're viewed as less important than other non-contact functions. Okay, like they will say to you, like I'm only a serve rep. I'm not import, as important to this organization as the people in engineering, as the people in marketing, as the people in logistics, as the people in supply operations. I'm just the serve rep. And that's how they view it, Right. That's yeah. that's their perception, right? And and the problem is, of course, it's it's uh, it's absolutely supported by the behavior of the rest of the organization. And so the key challenge, though, netting through all of that, and in a way, it's kind of like leading to um, to what some of the solutions need to be need, need to be, is that frontline recruit frontline leaders leaders um, 
are, are woefully inadequate. The key challenge here is to recruit frontline leaders um, based on their leadership skills as opposed to their frontline leader achievements. Mm-hmm. This is a huge one because typically, if you're looking for a manager, a supervisor in customer service, one of the things you do is look at the servers, look at the people in customer service doing the job and say, who's the best right. customer service rep we have? Let's make them uh, a supervisor. <clears throat> now, one of two things can happen. Either, yeah, they do possess supervisory and, and, and kind of management skills, which will lead to a positive outcome. But many times they don't. They're good reps, but they're not good managers. They're not good supervisors. And so the challenge, if you want to enhance the currency and effectiveness and long-term sustainability of frontline positions, you have to have the right kind of leadership in there. Well, thanks for that, Roy. Um, Do you think organizations generally... Do you think do you think organizations generally appreciate their front line? Well, I think there's definitely room for improvement. Again, just speaking as a as a customer of organizations, right. uh, uh, for example, um, I think some there's there's some some major improvements that that are possible here. <clears throat> I mean, first of all, um, we got to we got to figure out a way. Uh, to to move leadership and and organizations away from this traditional pyramid philosophy, okay, where the CEO sits on the top, the front line sits on the bottom, and middle managers sit in no man's land, right in the middle. And so that's one area that we need to think about improvement. I don't really think that leadership generally understands, Ian how strategically important the front line is to strategy execution. I, I just don't think people sitting in their, in their executive offices really get that because mm-hmm. if they did, they would behave differently. Most leaders don't walk around front line workplaces much, not a high priority is given. I mean, I spent at least a day a week, at least a day a week, okay, in the trenches with frontline people, learning what they did, understanding the dumb rules they were confronting, the crap that they were suffering, the grunge that they were feeling in order to cleanse the inside, knowing full well that that would improve on the execution of the strategy. And I don't think that's done much these days. Not a high priority is given to that. Frontline leadership, which we just spoke of, development is generally not given a high priority. Leadership development, if you're you know, in marketing and blah, 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 is given a higher priority, but but the leaders that are actually um, supporting directly our frontline people uh, tend not to get the same sort of development, if you will, as others throughout the organization. And lastly, um, they're not used extensively as an input channel for decision-making, as we spoke about. It's a major opportunity, I think, in terms of how um, frontline can be appreciated. I mean, to, to actually say to a server uh, in a restaurant um, as an as a organizational leader, uh, how can we improve operations would blow her away. And it would blow her away or him away even more would be to actually do something with what they said. Something. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so yeah, there are some, some real simple things that can be done around 
the organizational philosophy, how important they are to execution, walk around the workplace, uh, focus leadership development on the frontline leader, and use them as an input channel for leadership decision making. Hmm. It's um, it's it's always a challenge, you know. And and when workers describe themselves or management describes. Uh, the workers as, oh, they're just, or, oh, I'm just, it's just, uh, it's such a demeaning word. It, it, absolutely, it absolutely is. But you know, that's a cultural thing. It's a yeah. cultural thing that, that, that arrives from, uh, I think, this is my interpretation, from yeah. a lack of understanding as to who the owners of execution really are. And, and that, which leads to another problem is, but how come organizations aren't execution focused? They want to, yeah. They're more concerned about the efficacy and pristineness of the strategy, which right. leads to textbook thinking. I mean, so the whole chain, okay, can go right up to the corporate level or the company level that starts off with not treating execution as important. But for me, we didn't get to a billion without being relentless and focused as yeah. a strategy hawk on executing the strategy of the business. But, but also you inverted your corporate organization and had the CEO at the bottom and everybody else supporting all the way up. But it was your customer on top. That's exactly right. And that that that's a huge cultural piece of just getting people to accept that emotionally. Like if you're a manager, you think you got to be a manager. You got to be that in that position by commanding and controlling, not supporting and engaging. Now I'm asking you just to turn the pyramid upside down. I want you to support and engage. And they go, what? Yeah, but I, yeah. if I got here doing the other thing, and I'm saying, yeah, I know, but you're not going to get to where you need to get to unless yeah. you be supportive and engaging. In a lot of cases, people didn't want to do it, and they self-selected out. Oh, okay, that's fine. And I'm, I'm going to help you with all the tools you need, but you need to fundamentally want to support people. You want to ask, how can I help? Not yeah. here, do this. Uh, with three sons, I was involved in the scouting organization for about 12 years altogether. and the training that I received all the way through it had that inverted pyramid the entire time with the, uh, the youth at the top and uh, you know, all the way down through it's there to support the org. It's there to support the participants. It's there to support our customers. So it's not unfamiliar to me. I just don't see it anywhere anymore. Well, but anyway. that, that's the key point. You see, here's the difference between a brave idea and actually aligning systems which, which we talked about earlier, aligning the, the elements of the organization to deliver. Yeah. You find there's a lot of people, particularly leadership, and they've, they've taken instructions from the pundits or the textbook that says, okay, here's the organizational model that we believe communicates our values. And then they stop there. You can't right. stop there. You've got to degenerate that vision into specific executional elements called a line of sight. We've talked about this before and hold people accountable to deliver them. And then gradually over time, the cultural change, culture changes to actually deliver to that vision. But if you hmm. stop short, nothing happens. The vision dies. So if it's imperative that leaders do something about this and have a fuller understanding of the importance to the organization, how can leadership do a better job in helping the front line? Yeah, so just building on, on the conversation so far, I'm just going hit, to hit you with some bullets because uh, they're pretty straightforward. First of all, philosophy of the organization has got to be in, invert the pyramid. 
And it's got to be communicated by leadership. And it's got to be explained as a tactic to execute the strategy better. This is not an HR philosophy, Ian. Okay, this is a business leader who understands the superlative results come from execution, not the big idea. So invert Mm -hmm. the pyramid, explain people why related to execution. Secondly, embed yourself as a leader in the frontline operations of your organization to really get an understanding of to what their reality is. You can only help if you get it. You can only not help if you don't care or if you close your ears and your eyes and don't get embedded in them. So embed yourself in them. Declare their importance to the organization. Tell people that this organization's results um, rest on the shoulders of our frontline people and we need to support them. The next uh, comment would be pronounce their very critical role in managing customer engagement. I mean, that's part of the part of the execution story. Why, you know, why are they so essential in execution as well? Because they manage customer engagement. Customer engagement is important because they deliver loyal customers and an annuity revenue stream. What is it about that you don't think is important? But everything about that's important, right? right? Recognize them, reward them, engage them in your dumb rules committees, get their help in cutting the crap in the organization that gets in the way of their doing their jobs and get involved. And this is an interesting one. This is, this is kind of one that I did and people kind of like scratch their heads, but get involved in recruiting people for frontline positions to get human being lovers. And what I mean by that, as a leader, senior leader in an organization, it's an excellent opportunity to get involved in panel interviews of people who are applying as frontline leaders. And I used to do this all the time. We'd have panel interviews of a, you know, a number of, of managers who would be introducing or inter, uh, uh, interviewing candidates, right, for these frontline management positions. I would participate in that for two reasons. First of all, I wanted the frontline candidate to understand how important that job was and what better way than to have the president of the company sitting in on it, taking time out of their day. But the second thing was I wanted my management team to understand the questions that we were asking, right? What do you ask frontline leaders? Now, first of all, Roy's here, so it's got to be important that this position, you know, get dealt with, right, really. And that led us, my, my, led me to be the, the teacher of the hiring for goosebumps. That's where this whole thing started, hiring for goosebumps. <clears throat> what is it about... Uh, tell me the story about what uh, about how that would demonstrate how how much you cared for other people um, led to stories which, if they were compelling and passionate and relevant, gave me goosebumps. I'd typically hire the person that that gave us goosebumps. All of that stuff came from this this objective that said if you want to have a really super frontline organization, the frontline managers really have to be pristine. They have to be top of their game. And the last thing I want to come back to that in just a little, in just a second, uh, get frontline input on how effective their managers are. Like there's a, there's a concept out there called the 360 degree feedback. <clears throat> and that it's a really good development tool. I used it all the time. I did not use it as a performance tool. Some people did you know, that basically uh, jaundiced the results as soon as you did that. But I used it as a, uh, as a, a, a 
accountability tool and a development tool. Get the frontline people to tell you through a 360 how effective their managers are. Gives you mm-hmm. gives you information on um, on how you have to develop those frontline leaders, right? Exactly. And I guess the last point I just want to ma- ma- mention here is if you want to if you want to do a better job hiring the frontline, you have to do a better job recruiting frontline leaders. Okay, and and you need almost to have a special sort of program or initiative around frontline leaders. They need to have insanely tough credentials to become a frontline leader. You can't just have somebody who's a good service rep become a leadership. They got to be really hard, demonstrated leadership um, achievements. Secondly, actively engage frontline people in selecting the people to whom they will report. That's huge. It's not somebody (laughs) above, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's creating the opportunity. It's ask the frontline people, what do you need in this leader and get them involved in the process? I mean, that, that is cultural revolution, my friend, but, but it's, if you really want to improve your frontline, you have to engagement in that, engage them in that. The third thing is you have to recognize the frontline leader as a top-notch role in the organization that requires support from from the rest of the organization. They have to be identified and shouted out as being super uh, important. Fill these positions with accomplished servers as opposed to technical experts. They can't be experts, right, and not good leaders. They have to be good leaders, and we'll teach them the business. We'll teach them what they don't know. But they have to right. fundamentally like humans. <clears throat> and I did this one particularly. It's one that, that, that is not particularly well used. But I always included a frontline leadership assignment in the career plan for every high potential individual in my organization. So if you wanted to be, if you wanted to be Roy someday, you had to spend some time as a frontline leader. You had to. A yeah. lot of people would say, oh, <laughs> again, you yeah. know, it's not that important. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, and yet, again, strategy says we need more of them because we have to execute better. We need a more proficient frontline. So people need to include those frontline uh, leader positions in their career path. So if you're a high potential individual, uh, you are going to be expected. Uh, and I, I reflect back on on my career. I, I did. I, I was, quote, forced. Uh, some people didn't like to be, you know, going to in, in manage frontline organizations, but I had to do it. And boy, was it ever gratifying. And when you start to see the people with that background sort of vault forward in the organization, then people realize that, oh, OK, this is an important thing that we have Absolutely. to do. Yeah. yeah, this isn't this isn't punishment. I'm not being relegated to the lower ranks. I'm yeah, it's actually it's actually yeah. seen as a stepping stone. Yeah. But again, that's that's part of the part of the cultural change that 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 you have to inculcate again if you want to be the the super executioner in the marketplace, okay, and 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 getting results that nobody else can ever hope to 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 get. So with that in mind, I've sort of this is Roy's frontline leader job description. So if you want to be you want to be a top line frontline leader, right? Here are your top, here are your roles. You got to be a barrier basher. 
You have to eliminate the grunge. Secondly, you have to be an execution maniac. You have got to have one and only one focus. Get it done quickly with purpose. When I say with purpose, I mean strategy-driven, strategy-driven, strategy-driven. Third, you got to be a one and only people server. You have got to overdo the how can I help because you understand that if your team isn't well-served, nothing happens. Fourthly, you got to be a dumb it down fanatic. I mean, frontline people don't want complicated stuff, Ian. Give it to me simple, Roy, and I can do it. Give it to me complicated. I, it'll take me a while to figure out what you're talking about. And in the meantime, we lose opportunities. You want somebody to be a dumb it down fanatic. Next is you want this person to be an ultimate cheerleader. This person, this person is the advocate of the front of their frontline team. They protect them, they nurture them, they train them, they support them, they advocate them to the rest of the organization. They need to be a celebration host, Ian. Mm -hmm. They need to organize recognition events for these people. Why? To keep the juices going. Why? Because that makes them feel good, execute better, results go up. They need to be the chief custodian of the customer moment. Now, what do I mean by that? They need to put their fingerprints on what transpires between their front line and the customer to deliver dazzling moments. They have to get personally involved in that. They have to take, they have to take direction from the leader of the organization, but they have to translate it and put their own um, fingerprints uh, on it. They need to be a customer secret gatherer. We've, we've talked about this earlier. I mean, how, how do you gather information on what people crave? Somebody's got to be held accountable. Right. Frontline service manager is a critical position uh, to actually deliver to that end goal. And the last one I'll mention is they need to be an addict in terms of service recovery. When things right. go wrong, <clears throat> okay, they got to level the organization with the organization support to make it right. Bottom line in all this, if you treat your frontline right, they were they will deliver you the billion. Yeah, absolutely guaranteed. But you have to do it right, and it's a cultural change. Baby steps, Ian, not yep. silver bullets, but no. baby steps. Yeah, that's a lot to digest this morning. But uh, talk about valuable. Um, and I hope our uh, listeners to this podcast, especially, have found that to be true. Uh, well, uh, that's another wrap. We hope you enjoyed it. And if there's other podcasts you want to listen to, check us out at northdeltabusiness.ca slash podcasts or on our Spotify channel. Uh, we'll be back again soon with another How to Be Different tip as part of our Audacious Learning Ways podcast series. In the meantime, have a great business day. Goodbye, Roy. Goodbye, Ian.